Hey everybody, welcome to episode 33 of the Snake in the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Bynes. You can find me on Twitter at jsnake underscore dff. In this episode, I have Nick Anderson coming on the podcast, also known as at triple dffp on Twitter. You should definitely be following him. And he's a writer for Dynasty Nerds and is the host of the Down and Dirty Dynasty Face Football podcast. So welcome, Nick. How are you? What's going on, man? Thank you again for having me on the podcast. I'm always happy to come on here and talk Dynasty Fantasy Football with you. And yeah, you talked about how I'm a writer for Dynasty Nerds. I haven't been doing so much writing as of late, but I'm ready to get back on the horse on that. And I'm just happy to be talking Dynasty today. Sweet. So let's go ahead and you actually added me on Twitter about Irv Smith actually having a good week. He was the tight end nine as of now. I know I'm excited and he had four receptions for 64 yards. So what are you thinking about Irv? I think it's exciting. I I'm waiting for the routes run data to come through to see how he compares to Rudolph uh, exactly. But what are your thoughts? So, I mean, we've seen an even more depression in Kyle Rudolph's numbers than I thought that we were going to see from this season. You know, he's been even more depressed in that offense. We're seeing the emergence of Justin Jefferson. So everything is kind of shaking out in the Vikings receiving core right now. And they're trying to see how it's all going to settle. You know, you're hitting the glass on the table and you're letting all the sand drop to the bottom. And so I don't think that we have a true picture of what's going to happen right now in the offense just yet. But I think the emergence of Irv in this game with what did he put up? It was five or or five targets, four receptions and 64 receiving yards. I think that week five is about when I thought that maybe this tide might start turning in his direction. And so it's an auspicious sign for future things to come for Irv Smith. Yeah, and this makes me feel good because uh, there's a league that I'm more of in. Uh, it's it's really like I just I punted the first year, went younger, went quarterback heavy, uh, punted running back like crazy. But I traded away Dalton Schultz for Irv Smith Jr. And I think that makes sense for both the contender and more of that retooling, rebuilding team. So uh, I definitely seen that good week from Irv Smith, though. It makes me excited because I was starting to panic a little bit in the sense of I was like, wow, is he going to do nothing this year? Because his stats were abysmal the first four weeks. Very much so. And I mean, I think that was kind of to be expected just by looking at him. I mean, looking at the trajectory of young tight ends, you know, I think Irv is what? Is he still 23 years old, which is just incredibly young at the he's still 22 years old, which is incredibly young at the position. And so there's going to be rocky points when it comes to young tight ends. But what you want to see is this emergence, these games where they start to pop off. And so now that we're starting to see it, you know, it takes a little bit of the pressure away. You have a you have a release moment. You know, ah, we can sit for a second. I I completely agree. And I think anybody that listens to the podcast or sees anything I put on Twitter, I just love the tight end position. So we're going to go straight to a couple more tight ends, Higby and Everett. So Everett had a very surprising week five, and uh, he actually ended up scoring about 10 more PPR points than Tyler Higby did, uh, which I didn't expect to see coming. I thought Higby was going to be the guy to sort of not necessarily run away with it, but comfortably have more targets. But Everett had two more targets than Higby, and again, about 10 more fantasy points. So what are you thinking on Higby versus Everett? Is it more that they're just going to make it to where like, they're both not really usable for fantasy football? Or, or are we going to see more of that changing of the guard? I don't think that we're ever going to see a true changing of the guard when we're talking about the L.A. Rams. You know, I, I Me personally, going into this offseason, I was a big proponent. I was down on Higby. I was not about him at all because I have been one of those guys that's been in the background 
banging the drum for Gerald Everett because he is immensely talented. He's a freak athlete, and we saw what he was capable of last season. But then we saw the emergence of Higby towards the end of the year. But I've been reminding everybody that Higby got the contract in L.A. before his breakout last season. He was not signed to be a move tight end. He was not signed to get, you know, five receptions, six receptions a game and 75 yards. He was signed to block, guys. He was signed because of his blocking prowess, not because of how adept he is at tight end in the receiving game. Yeah, and speaking of of Gerald Everett, he's 88th percentile 40-yard dash score, 74th percentile speed score, 93rd percentile burst score, 81st agility, 86th catch radius. Like, yeah, he's an athlete. Uh, I will be curious to see what happens this offseason. I wouldn't expect him to go back with the Rams, especially with them drafting a rookie tight end this offseason. But I still – I'm very high on him as well. Yeah, it's – I mean, honestly, all the rookie tight ends for me are buys, every single mm-hmm. one, and it's just because you're going to get them for cheaper than what someone most likely paid in their – in the the rookie draft, and then – so then you get them, and you're like, okay, cool. Like, someone straight up was like, why is Irv Smith Jr. a buy? And I'm like, well, first of all, he's young, second-round draft capital, and he had flashes last year, and you're just going to ignore it just because of a couple – four bad games, and – Honestly, that shows like for myself and everybody, we get a little bit too involved with either our preconceived notions of how we expected the season to go, or we don't realize that because someone has two or three bad games, that doesn't mean they suck. Like, like even like Todd Gurley to me, I would say is a dynasty sell, but he still balled out this last week. And that's just something that can happen for players, especially someone like him who's going to get the workload. Exactly. I completely agree on all that. Um, the one thing that I will say about Everett, though, how old is Everett? I think he's 27. Is that right? He is uh, 26.3 years old. I'm on player profile. Yeah, <laughs> so, so the point threes out there. But, yeah, he's 26.3 years old. So in the tight end landscape, he is right at the bubble where he should start popping. You know, when, when you're looking at tight ends, you're always looking at that second contract just past their rookie deal is when we start to see these guys really come into their own. And so it might be a godsend that he doesn't get re-signed by the Rams. We've seen players who I think are inferior to a guy like Gerald Everett, like Mo Ali Cox, who has really popped off the page at the start of this season. Now, now Big Mac, I think, is going to have a little bit of trouble now that Trey Burton's back. But there are certain guys like that that see a little bit of resurgence in their career when they find a new home. You know, and I think that Gerald Everett finding a new home could be something that could be really beneficial to his dynasty value and his overall production. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So now we're going to go to more of a somber note with Dak Prescott. He uh, ended up getting surgery on his ankle yesterday. So how are you feeling? Or actually, I'll go in and discuss how I feel about Dak versus Andy Dalton. I think Dak is more of that buy for rebuilds. But I was talking to you before the show that like, I definitely have Dak below Burrow and Tua right now, but he's like right above Justin Herbert. He's right above, or not right above, a little bit above like Jared Goff, but I wouldn't add a ton if you're in a rebuild and someone is contending because you can use that to your advantage to be like, hey, I got this guy scoring points. They're pretty young. They got a nice contract. If you want them, you got to pay up for them. And then with Dak, you do have that uncertainty as well of, potentially not going back to the Cowboys could do the franchise tag, make a lot of money. I'm not really sure. And then with Dalton, 
he's an ad. He's my top ad if he's on Superflex waiver wire. And I think he could be a weekly, like low in QB1, high in QB2, depending on how the Cowboys uh, scheme their offense. Now, if they switch to like extreme run heavy and it becomes like the Zeke and Pollard show, obviously that's not going to happen. But I still think that Dalton has had the, has currently the best wide receiver score, wide receiver uh, core that he's ever had. <laughs> yeah, no, I would completely agree when you're talking about the wide receivers that he has around him. And I honestly don't even think that if we got into a situation where they start pounding the run aggressively, that it would play an, uh, against him. You know, we've seen guys who you know that I'm a huge Ryan Tannehill fan. We've seen guys like Ryan Tannehill that skill at the quarterback position is predicated off of the use of the run. So if you can start using the play action based off of the fact that you are pounding Zeke 25 times a game, then that just opens up lanes downfield for the likes of, you know, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. That's true. Before we get to that, though, we're going to talk about three Dynasty ads. Uh, for anybody that listens to the podcast, I drop a Dynasty article, waiver wire article every week on Dynasty Nerds. Uh, it's going to go a little bit more in depth and list a couple more people, but this is going to be my top three ads in general. Obviously, Andy Dalton is going to be the top ad, but he's uh, rostered in like 25% of NFL leagues. So the odds are, if you're in a super flex league, He's not going to be on the waiver wire, so that's something if he's there. I'm comfortable spending 50 to 100% of my fab if I need a QB, but if I don't need a QB, obviously go to that lower 50% end. One QB, 20% or so if you need a QB. So anyways, let's go ahead and go into my first Dynasty ad, Travis Fulcam of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's rostered in 6% of NFL leagues. Uh, I'd spend on him about 5 to 12% of my fab, and the reason why is – uh, Fulgham had 13 targets for 10 receptions, 152 yards and one touchdown this last week. I was skeptical of him going after week four because he had 13.7 PPR points, but he was only on three targets. And so when I see that, I get a little nervous and I'm like, okay, is that just him getting a touchdown, a long touchdown? Like what was the exact reason? So that's why he didn't make it on any of my dynasty waiver wire ad articles. But after this week, he definitely needs to be on a roster. He has weekly upside with how banged up the Eagles wide receiver core is. And he can actually help fill in during actual or our surprise bye weeks. You know, those are just going to keep on coming and they're not going away. But I will say I would drop full game if his targets decrease once someone like a Dallas Goddard, Deshaun Jackson, or Alshon Jeffrey comes back to play. Because like if his target starts to drop, it's not worth getting it, adding him, and you should go for someone else. Always be rotating these end of bench guys, especially once the targets go to like if he drops down to two or three, ten yards or something, then I just drop him. So he's my first one. What do you think of him? You know, it, he's a guy that I'm not incredibly well-versed on. I wasn't incredibly well-versed on him pre-draft. I've heard a lot of guys saying that he was one of their dark horse candidates and more power to those guys that were pointing fingers at him because he was somebody that slipped under the radar for me. You know, he was an undrafted free agent, if I'm not mistaken, in the draft. Is that correct? I'm pretty sure that's correct. I'm also not super well-versed in him. I, it's, I'm more focusing my my dynasty waiver on his usage that he had the last couple of weeks. And so, and, and and I completely agree with the analysis that you gave on that. When you talk about being fluid, being like water, as Bruce Lee would say, you know, you have to be flexible with this stuff and ride the ebbs and flows of these players. You have to realize that while this isn't redraft, you need to take somewhat of a redraft mentality when looking at these ads and drops because you don't want to get too stuck on a player 
and take and keep him past his expiration date and miss out on another waiver wire ad, you know, but you also don't want to jump on guys that, uh, that had one flash in the pan, but I don't think that Fulham necessarily is a flash in the pan guy because there just isn't that much talent in that wide receiver core in, you know, in the, in the Eagles uh, wide receiver room, you know, I mean, we've got, Jalen Rager we've got Dallas Goddard and we've got Zach Ertz who's going to be falling by the wayside soon I don't see no or I don't see uh you know Alshon Jeffrey as being a long-term asset I just think that this kid has the ability if he can keep up this level of production to turn himself into a valuable asset in this wide receiver core where J.J. Arcega-Whiteside hasn't been able to do that yet yeah that's great and I looked it up he's a sixth round pick so pretty much into the draft pick gotcha 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 so I'm going to go to go quickly into my next one. And this is more for super flex leagues. We're talking some case Keenum. So with case Keenum, he should be rostered in every super flex league. And a couple of guys I'd add to that, that should be rostered is I'd even throw Jacoby Brissett in there. Andy Dalton should have been rostered pre Dak Prescott injury. Alex Smith should be and Robert Griffin. The third, I looked at the other rosters and I was, or the death charts. And I was just like, eh, all the rest. I'm not super fans of if they come in, you know, obviously if someone becomes a starter, I'll add them like a uh, right pan or right peen, or I pronounce his name and, or Rippin, even Driscoll. It's ripping is how they say it. I think. Oh, it's ripping, man. I've been destroying his name on my podcast. I, I, re- I read it as ripe first too, but I, on, on the TV, they were all calling him Brett ripping. Okay, ripping. All right, so going into Case Keenum, Baker Mayfield had a rib injury on Sunday. I do expect him to play whenever he plays next, but still Keenum Keenum would be the next guy up. And if Baker ends up getting hurt or anything happens to him, Keenum showed that he can be a competent QB in 2018. He did okay with the Washington football team, but really who's done any better with them over the last couple of years? No one has. Uh, and then also the Browns side Keenum to a three-year contract. So he does have some long-term stability as a backup. And just in general, I want backup QBs and super flexes on my bench because they can increase in value just like that. All it takes is one injury like Andy Dalton. And you can now trade Andy Dalton away for like probably – uh, high 2021 second right now, if you can predict that. It's still a little tough, but that's the type of thing that can happen when before he was maybe a 2021 third. Yeah, I don't even know if we could go as far as a 21 third where he was previously. But, you know, when we're looking forward at this stuff, it is a great idea to be able to stack as many as you can afford, you know, in a deep roster to be able to have those trade targets because it's absolutely indispensable when you're moving forward trying to acquire you know, value and collateral moving forward into a draft to be able to turn out some of these guys that step into the workload. Yeah, and I'm going to go into another guy that's been stepping into some workload, especially in week five, and that's Cordero Patterson of the Chicago Bears. He's rostered in 21% of MFL leagues, which is a little bit higher than what I normally like to look at for players, but he he was on a couple of waiver wires on my own league, so that's why I mentioned him. I'd spend about 1% to 5% of fat for him, and the reason I want him is he had 7.5 PPR points, and he had three carries and three receptions for 38 yards. Also, if your league does any type of point per kick or punt return yard. Patterson is a weekly flex play easy. In week five, he had 119 yards. He hasn't been below 50 return yards in general. And I think that he is starting to get to that floor if you get like what, maybe for every 20 
yards of uh, punt or kick returning, you get a point. Like he's probably going to be around that nine to 10 point range, which with the bye weeks and the COVID surprises, that's something I'd want. I also think that Patterson's going to start filling in that Tariq Cohen role and it could just increase as the season goes on. So he's someone that I'd be looking to add and especially in sleeper, sleeper leagues because he has both running back and wide receiver availability. See, I definitely think that Corderell Patterson is an interesting prospect out in Chicago, but the person that I'm more interested in Chicago right now is Darnell Mooney. You know, Darnell Mooney has came in. He's 22 years old, 5'10", 176 pounds, and he had last week, it wasn't his best week. He had two receptions for 15 yards, but the week prior, he had nine targets, five receptions, and 52 yards, and he's already had a touchdown on the year. This kid is going to fill the Gabriel Davis role that we saw out there, and I think he's going to do more with it. He's a guy that has a lot of upside in this offense, you know, where Anthony Miller is kind of floundering right now. And so I think that Darnell Mooney is somebody that you could add and see it and see his stock rise well beyond the price of acquisition right now. Yeah, I, I agree on Mooney. He should have had a better week because of uh, Nick Foles. It was, it was some type of miscommunication in that game because Nick Foles threw the ball and it was just not to the right place for Mooney. And Mooney was wide open. And I was just like, man, yeah, he's someone that if you could send like a 2021 second for him or something, or if he's on your waiver wire, he should be on every roster right now automatically. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great call. Let's go ahead and get into either a dynasty buy or sell that you have for week six. So a dynasty buy that I am all over right now. I'm trying to think of what my favorite is. Honestly, one of my favorites right now is um, uh, Joshua Kelly. I know that we've seen an early pop in Joshua Kelly's numbers, and he's going to be a little bit difficult to buy right now with the unstable nature of Austin Eckler moving or moving forward at all. You know, but Josh Kelly didn't impress last week, and so it's these depressed numbers that you can start to point at, and you can start to take advantage of that because I don't think that he's going to have that many depressed weeks moving forward, and so I. I would sell a, a, a 21 second, a 21 high second easily for Joshua Kelly right now, which is more than the owner paid for him. And so if we start to compile a couple poor games on his record, this owner might think that they should get out early and get above what they paid for him in the rookie draft. And so I'd be looking and putting out feelers for Joshua Kelly right now. I love that. I think Joshua Kelly, uh, I know a couple of leagues are going to, it's going to have Justin Jackson on their waiver wire. He's someone I'd look to add just in case. But yeah, Joshua Kelly is someone I definitely would be trading for. He's someone I drafted in the third round of a couple of leagues. Like you said, a lot of people got him in the third, especially if they were doing a super flex league. So going off of that buy, I'm actually going to do a running back sell. And this is more of a sell before it's too late. And this is actually a pretty boring one. And it's one we're probably going to see on Twitter a lot recently. It's probably something that someone said quite frequently. But I'm looking to sell Mike Davis right now for any 2021 second I can get. I would also move Davis for someone like Denzel Mims or Zach Moss. The goal is to move on from Davis a week or two before CMC returns. You're not trying to do it, you know, oh, CMC's going back. I better move on. You need to do it before. People are smart. You want to do it so they can still get some points, but you get the long-term play. So he's been awesome the last couple of weeks. They paid Christian McCaffrey so much money. Once he's back, maybe it'll take a couple weeks, but Davis is not going to have a continued role. I don't see it happening. I've seen some people speculate on Twitter. 
Again, I don't see it happening. And now is the time to go move Davis for a 2021 second to a contender or to anybody. Even if you're playing in that week, I'd be comfortable doing that. It would sort of suck. But, you know, you just got to play the long-term game with the short-term. And that's been the struggle with Dynasty. So this is a move that I'm looking to make. 100%. And, I mean, especially you were talking about the time to sell for him. And the time to sell for him was yesterday. I mean, it, it, it was this week or it was last week because I, if people aren't paying attention to the news right now, Christian McCaffrey is, is, is eligible to be cleared off IR. He was seeing the physical therapist today doing physical tests to see what his progression is. So it might not be this week, but I can almost guarantee that it's going to be week seven or week eight that CMC is going to return. And CMC, don't forget, I know that it's that that all fantasy is about what have you done for me lately, but CMC is without a doubt the running back one in Dynasty and Redraft. And so don't forget how dynamic this guy is. Just look at how good Mike Davis has been, and then imagine if he was twice as good as he is right now, and that's CMC. And giving you about 1.5 times the fantasy points, because Mike Davis has been awesome, but Christian McCaffrey will give you 30, exactly. 35. Exactly. Well, let me let, let me get into one of my one of my last buys. So my last buy on this is going to be Michael Gallup out of the Dallas Cowboys. So we've seen a lackluster with a little bit of a pop this last week out of Michael Gallup. But the thing that I want to emphasize on here, and I'll probably be talking about it on my podcast too, is that we hit a reset button in Dallas. So we knew what Dak Prescott's preferences were after the first four weeks of this season, but we had no idea and still have no idea where it's going to lie with Andy Dalton. So we don't know who's he, who he's going to train in on. And don't forget that Michael Gallup is immensely talented. And if he can pop and get open early for Andy Dalton, he might become a favorite target. That's just how certain things go. Quarterbacks train in on certain wide receivers. And so Michael Gallup, the price of acquisition right now is probably dirt cheap, especially with the injury of Dak Prescott and his lack of performance in the, fir in the first quarter of the season. I think that you could maybe get him for a low second, high third. And if you could do that, snatch it all day because if he can pop, it's a low-risk acquisition for a high-reward possibility. Completely agree on that. Uh, Michael Gallup's a good guy to grab. And like you said, all it takes is that one good game, and then you'll keep looking at him. I think that's what's happened with my next buy and Robbie Anderson. You know, They've just had a connection, and they now have trust, and that trust builds up and builds up. And the risk is worth the reward, especially because we don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of years. We could potentially see Michael Gallup get traded this offseason if they don't want to have three elite wide receivers on their team. Who knows what they're going to do? Honestly, it'd probably be a good play to trade away Michael Gallup for a secondary guy with just how awful that defense has been for the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, but let's go ahead and get into Robbie Anderson. I talked about him a couple of weeks ago, and he was a buy for me then. And he is still a buy for me now. So some people are going to be like, why? Well, the reason is a lot of people have not been valuing Robbie Anderson correctly, and they still are not. And that's just because of name value. And that's the issue with like even like redraft. Okay, we think that this is going to happen. When it doesn't, you have to adapt. Robbie Anderson has been just completely balling out over the last six weeks. And he's been balling out more than DJ Moore. And a lot of people are going to be like, 
yeah, that's true. But at the same time, you got to realize that the value needs to change. So I'd happily send two 2021 seconds for Robbie Anderson. I'd debate on sending a 2021 first if it was late and it was a little bit of a larger league. I think 12 team, I'm not there yet, but I think doing something like a 2021 second and Hardman, even with, uh, even with Sammy Watkins going out, I'd happily do that. You probably have a, a different thought on that, Nick, because you're a, you're a chiefs fan. And I know that your, your love for Hardman long-term is there. Um, but just also Robbie Anderson has some long-term viability. Uh, he has a two-year contract. Teddy Bridgewater is a two-year contract. Robbie Anderson could be the 1A slash 1B of that offense for two years and just don't get take lock and just realize how awesome Robbie has been and make the move if you're a contender. And so I I was talking on Twitter the other day about this about and, and somebody somebody put it very eloquent for me, eloquently for me that I hadn't actually thought about about the gap between a second round pick and a first round pick. And that's where Robbie Anderson finds himself right now in a place that I'm going to start calling the void. And so Robbie Anderson finds himself in the void right there. And that's the difference between if he's a buy or a sell for me. If I could get a 21 first for Robbie Anderson, I would sell him all day for that. But if I could get him for a second and a third, maybe two seconds, I would be interested in that acquisition. So it's kind of one of those things where it's about the price for play on this, you know, the price of admission into the game. So if I could get a first for Robbie Anderson, I'm selling all day because he's 27 years old. And yes, he's popped off the page. But if in terms of what he can do for me in the long term, I think that first is going to pay dividends over the course of the time, you know. But in the short term, if I can get him for a second and a third, I'm all about that. Yeah, and I think if you were what we're going to trade for Robbie Anderson with the first, you need Robbie Anderson plus something else. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't just do it straight up, you know, doing a first. I would need it to be Robbie Anderson plus like maybe a 2021 second for a first, probably more like Robbie Anderson in a win now piece, like a really solid win now piece in a 2021 first. But that's just some options for you. I know Nick has some spicy cells that he's telling me before the show. Well, so I, I, I will get into those and then I've got one more sell after that. But my hot take of the week, you guys, as we've seen, then 2019 and 2020 draft class, the wide receivers have been dominating the landscape, even with guys like A.J. Brown being injured and off of the field. And so there is a changing of the guard going on right now in the wide receiver landscape, and you don't want to find yourself behind the eight ball on that. And that's why I'm advocating today to start sending out offers to sell the trio of DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, and Devontae Adams. All of these guys are over 27 years old. They all find themselves, you know, on the last quarter of their career in, in certain terms, maybe the last half of their career. But in a year or two, we're going to be talking about these players like we're talking about Julio Jones, who has fallen off this year. He's 31 years old. You get 27, 28 years old. In two years, they're going to be right around the same age as Julio Jones. And not everybody is a Julio playing at that elite level at that age. You guys, so I'm saying right now, don't catch yourself behind the eight ball. Be looking to turn these number one elite options in DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Devontae Adams, and Michael Thomas to acquire youth like Calvin Ridley, CeeDee Lamb, 
DK Metcalf, and even some of the smaller guys, if you can package them and get multiples of guys like Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, those guys that we've already seen pop off the page and are showing elite talent. I'm telling you, this youth revolution is happening now, and you don't want to be the one that's not on that train when it takes out of the station. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think one very, very doable trade for all three of those guys you mentioned is trading them away for A.J. Brown in a 2021 first. I think you could get that all day. Especially post-injury. Post-injury, I mean, it, like I said, it's all about what have you done for me lately. And A.J. Brown has not done a lot for you lately. And he's a guy that I'm telling you. I mean, we saw what he was capable of last year. We've seen what Ryan Tannehill has done in his absence with Corey Davis, who is an inferior wide receiver in every stretch of the imagination to A.J. Brown. So don't get lost in the minutia of an injury. Realize that when he comes back, he's going to be the league winner that we saw last year. And so if you can get something like that, and A.J. Brown are a first, I mean, I'm talking, you know, A.J. Brown in two seconds. I mean, it's some kind of combination of A.J. Brown and picks for one of these elite wide receivers. I'm telling you, the points at the end of the year, if all healthy and everything goes, just was a fluke injury, you know, it's going to be around the same and you're going to come out on top looking like a genius. Yeah, and you bring up an excellent point of doing the – it's almost like the recycling the top end guys. Once people reach that peak, that pinnacle – then you look to move them for someone that you expect to get up to that pinnacle status plus extra pieces to make up the difference for now and to make it an even greater change later. Um, right. And like the one person that I've always struggled with is like Christian McCaffrey, even Patrick Mahomes. Like they're two guys that I'm okay holding on to and not really doing this little package deal thing. But I think someone like a Zeke Elliott, uh, I, I don't think Lamar Jackson has the same value now because it's more like you said, well, what have you done with for me over the last couple of weeks? Um, but just like even like a Russell Wilson, you know, if you want to move from Russell Wilson to a Joe Burrow and a 2021 first and something else, I think you could end up, meh, maybe that's a little much. Maybe I'm getting a little too crazy over here. But just look at packaging those guys, get more value long term. What Nick is saying is great advice. You know, make the moves now so you're not looking at, oh, two years from now. Oh, wait, I really wish I would have traded Devontae Adams because I think what we may be seeing is an even increased amount of ageism over the next couple of years because of how young these players are coming up. Like, I think we may be seeing once people reach 28, 29, we're like, eh, I don't want you on my team anymore. And if that starts happening and you can make the moves now to like really get those top end guys, then, or the top end young guys, then you can trade for those older guys that are still going to be producing at a high level for cheap. Like Mike Evans is 27. Everybody's acting like he's 35. <laughs> well, the, so, so the good thing about this, or the thing, the thing that's actually a little bit scary to me about this for dynasty owners is that we've been blessed with really great drafts that we've had as of late. Now, one thing that I think that we're not taking into consideration here is that the football landscape from high school to college into the pros is changing with the COVID era. We see a hiccup in possible production from these young athletes that will eventually be the NFL stars. So where we've seen dead draft years, I anticipate that we're going to see dead draft years in the kids that are playing right now. You know, the kids that are playing high school, the young college athletes that are missing a year, we might see a dead drop, you know, draft year. And so you need to get out on these guys now while these players are still low so that you can have the long-term sustainable assets that we've seen out of guys like Julio, because it's not always a guarantee that there's going to be this backfill of youth talent. 
So let's do your last sell that you have for today. Who you got? Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, and David Johnson. Just like I was talking about now on the older guys, and it's not that Todd Gurley is necessarily an older guy per se, but you know, we need to be getting out on these aged running backs that are transplants into new homes. Todd Gurley is not going to have the sustainable success, and you can get the picks for, you know, a Chubba Hubbard, Travis Etienne, stuff like that. If you can get a first for Todd Gurley after he's had this boom, you take it all day. You need to be capitalizing on Melvin Gordon right now because when Philip Lindsay comes back, he's going to undercut all of the production that we've seen out of Melvin Gordon. Try and get a high second or a low end first for him all day. David Johnson, I'd be selling him for a high end second all day because we look at this draft we look at the guys that have popped we look at guys like joshua kelly and you can go spend capital on guys like that or multiple guys like that for the price that you would sell one of these trio of age transplants right now you need to be getting out on the shortest shelf life position on the field which is running back so sell now yeah I, I can't really add anything else to that. Melvin Gordon's been a big sell for me for a long time. Tar Gurley is as well. Um, and, and David Johnson, yeah, they're all big sells. I think if you could move one of them, like one of them in a 2021 20, second for Cam Akers, which for a lot of people how they're acting, that's doable. Like you yep. could do that right now. Um, what's another guy? Maybe Swift if you add a little bit more on top of that. Uh, and honestly, one thing I want to say too is if your team's middle of the road right now, this may be the best year to just say, you know what? I'm throwing in the towel this year. I'm going to go on a retool, rebuild, make my team better for the long term. Because there's just so many players that are currently hurt that are just not or just not playing well right now that you can just keep on going and going and going and just keep improving. I completely agree. I mean, it's basically it's 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 the it's the age old idea of getting out on the aged and getting in on the youth. Amen to that. So awesome. I had a blast tonight, Nick. Do you have any projects you're working on? Well, everybody should, of course, check out the Down and Dirty Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. That's a fact. Hell yeah, man. Well, actually, I am taking the triple DFFP in a new direction. I've realized that I just don't really have the heart for redraft. Doing the weekly stuff where I'm getting into the grind and the micro of fantasy football has proved to be something that I don't find a bunch of joy in. So I'm transitioning the podcast. It was always a dynasty podcast, but I'm trying to expand on the macro and only look at the macro. I want to look at the long-term moves to be able to set your team up, not just for this this year, but for the next four years and get you a true dynasty team. And so that's what we're doing with the triple D FFP. Hopefully we're going to get a bunch more episodes out to you. We've got some great guys coming up this week. So expect two more episodes this week, probably dropping on Thursday and Friday. So expect a little less, you know, redraft analysis, a little less start sit advice, but a lot more long-term knowledge. Yeah, and everybody should definitely tune in because that's the one thing right now that we're all getting tunnel vision, including myself, getting tunnel vision on what can you do for me now? Instead of looking at it like you mentioned Robbie Anderson for 2020 first, you do that all day. And, you know, if you look at it, you take a step back, you're like, yeah, that makes sense because you look at the 2021 first and like Superflex leagues this last year and you're like, oh, that was Justin Herbert. Oh, okay. That was Justin Herbert right there. Like, okay, so I need to really like get back, take a step back. And I agree with you, Nick, that the the week to week like grind is a lot, and I definitely don't enjoy it as much as other people do. Uh, I'm with you on that front. That's why I like having a dynasty podcast so you can look more macro as well. And I'm excited to to see the new direction right there. That's awesome. 
Hell yeah, man. Well, hey, thank you very much for having me on. And anybody who doesn't, you know, follow him on YouTube, any of that stuff, if you guys haven't subscribed yet, make sure you subscribe on Jake's podcast, okay? Don't just be a one-time listener. Go down and hit like, share, and subscribe. You're not, you're not going to re- regret it. Well, there we go. Thanks, Nick. So I don't even have to do my spiel at the end. Everybody go make sure to follow Nick on Twitter at Triple DFFP and check out his podcast, Down and Dirty, Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in, and let's be snakes this season.